welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And in this episode, I spoke with Naomi McGregor, TEDx speaker, founder of Move True, engineer and ballet dancer. We covered some amazing topics such as how Naomi decided to do engineering, fighting the gender stereotypes and barriers put on her to get into that field to eventually becoming an ambassador for females in STEM. And also how she fused her love for ballet and her engineering brain to create a business that aims to reduce injury. Also an exploration into how this solution could not only be used for ballet, but across multiple sports such as rugby, football, and also extending it into other areas. Really exciting, you know, business that she started and it's such a, such an interesting journey as well, fighting gender stereotypes, all of that stuff. And it's all in here and I highly recommend that you stay to the very end. So this week's episode, we're not gonna do a shout out because the episode is already a little bit long, but if you do wanna feature the next episode in the form of a shout out, be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and I'll give you a shout out in the next episode, I promise. This 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 one, the timing got a bit away from me, um, but next episode, I'll bring it back to, to, to the regular time about 30 to 35 minutes. So anyways, without further ado, let's get onto the episode. Hey Naomi, how you doing? I'm good, Sina, and yourself? Yeah, really good, thanks. I'm so glad that we could finally have a chat because I know we've been talking for a long time. I've been wanting to have you on for ages. So I'm really, really glad that we finally found the time. And yeah, I'm really happy to, to have this conversation. I know, I'm so excited to have finally got on and actually get the scheduled time. It's I'm excited to see what happens over the next 40 minutes and what we end up discussing. Well, I mean, this podcast is nothing really limited. Like we, we've talked about some, I mean, we go into the conversation with one topic and we kind of end it with something that I didn't really expect. Like I had someone on the podcast we were meant to talk about. He has a platform for podcasting. We end up talking about like him, you know, like going around like North Korea and like just trekking there and like hitchhiking around like different countries. Don't know how it got there. I have no idea how it got there, but you know, it's just the way it is with, with, with conversation. Absolutely, that's the fun of it. So yeah, first question for me is, have you ever been to North Korea? Let's start. <laughs> I, I absolutely have not. That's definitely something that could go on the bucket list. I have been lucky enough to be in Asia, if that counts, um, but I definitely have not been able to be adventurous enough for North Korea. Yeah, I was just kidding around. <laughs> so let's go into the thing that people actually want to know about you, because you're, you're an extremely interesting woman, like trying to fuse engineering with ballet which is something that I've never actually seen before so I guess it'll be really great to get your sort of story of how it led up to you and and move true yeah well my background really started off onto why I have gone down the road I have so I started doing ballet at four I became an assistant teacher at 13 and then at 14 I actually injured myself and it took three years eight different specialists to actually find out what the issue was and on top of that they said you should probably never dance again and that just wasn't going to happen so I continued with dancing continued teaching and absolutely loved it and I just found so much passion with teaching children and getting them up and moving and for some kids this was the only time that they saw other people outside of their schools so I went down that route and then deciding after A-levels what to study at university, uh, had a bit of a debate and I have definitely applied for business courses and on the day that I actually got into university, I rang up and changed to engineering 
and because I just knew there was something wrong decided right okay I have to go for engineering my gut's telling me to do it and signed up that day then I went forward for engineering continued to dance kept up my dance and kind of seen them as two different sides to me that I had my technical and then I had my art and that was my creative release and really enjoyed having them separated until my dissertation which I then got to put forward my own idea and said there has to be a better way to come back from injuries and this is really when it started that I decided to combine my love for ballet with my knowledge of engineering and I think it was the first dissertation they had that combined uh, ballet and engineering so it was a good laugh with that one and unexpected but I just really enjoyed it and loved being able to show that there really is no browns within anything really within arts or stem yeah I mean it's 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 something that I guess I'm not an engineer myself I didn't study engineering at university or anything but having known a few engineers it does strike me as something that I guess before I would have thought that it was is very maths heavy and, and it is but there's also a big sort of creativity side that you need to to be successful at it and I guess I don't know if that's the sort of that's a skill that's kind of overlooked or overshadowed by the mathematical or technical side of it yeah. but being able to be creative and also solve problems such as like you know problems such as the stuff that you're doing with move true and within the ballet space i don't know do you feel like that side like someone's neglected or like it, it's not shown enough to to females as well to show that okay it's not just math you also have to be creative yeah. and that's a skill that a lot of females have also you know yeah i think it's definitely something that the reason I became a STEM ambassador was to help highlight to schools that what we think engineering is, uh, is really limited. We think it's really small, confined, you're on a computer, you're doing technical work, there's no creativity. And that's just so different to any experience I've ever had in engineering, that you have to be creative, you have to be a creative problem solver, uh, you can use your artistics if you can't get across your problem to other people and make people want to spend the money on investing in your problem then it's really not going to work you can create a very highly skilled technical product but unless people want it it's not going to sell so the creativity has to be there and then I just feel like bringing it back you can combine these different areas and they actually go really well together and whenever I was doing my dissertation I actually really hunted down different ways I could find t reports on ballet and physics and that there it was a definitely limited in literature which is something that I really feel strongly about changing because if we can understand the physics of how we move that open up a whole different area that we can bring into our movement into robotics and everything else and I just think it's really exciting the potential of bringing these areas together and showing that STEM and oh it is so creative as this topic and the most well-known uh, engineers and mathematicians were really creative in nature which I think is pretty exciting once we actually look at further beyond the Mars. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. But I guess on your journey to, to doing this, like firstly, you had that sort of 
I don't know, like you might say it's a barrier where the sort of perception, I guess you, you went to a, an all girls school, I think you said, yeah. where it was kind of like you were very much ushered or pushed into a different field of study. And it was like on results day, you decided to do engineering. And then once, once you kind of are in that road, you must kind of get constant pushback of, okay, no, like ballet isn't the sort of like way we want you to go down. Like you must've got some sort of pushback there, right? Absolutely. Um, so I really was questioned at the time of high school of, oh, so if you're good at business, you have a good understanding of it. You've came through, my parents own their own business. So I, I understood that. And you're good at maths. So accountancy is the first one that they think for a girl uh, to go down. And that was really heavily pushed. And I, it was, I was really fortunate to have good technology teachers that recommended engineering so that was a really uh, the right push that I needed and then whenever I was in university like jokes are made and about being female jokes are made that you don't talk about dance um in front of other people like and I just I just don't accept it I think it's let's encourage freedom of any hobbies that somebody has and whenever I was even um, out working, I was once told women shouldn't be engineers. And I just think there's so many preconceptions that people have that if we actually just go with where we are creatively and what we enjoy and where our strengths are, then we have major benefits to being the next change maker. Yeah, no, I completely like disagree with all of those. Like, I don't get the whole perception of like women can't be engineers because there's so many skills <laughs> that are, I guess more that are more traditionally seen as female that like are really valuable mm -hmm. in the engineering space as so stuff like creativity stuff like empathy with like usage with the customer journey and stuff like that like all these skills are really really valuable and I think there's like studies where a lot of like top business people or engineers like a lot of the, the success the success that they found has been as a result or, you know, uh, aided by their female traits. Like they do like personality studies yeah. and stuff. Like everyone's got feminine traits and, and masculine traits. And I guess I, I don't understand that perception of like women can't be engineers. I really, uh, it, it never really, under, I, I, I can never really get it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a misconception that we have. And the more influences of role models that we can bring in, the better we'll be able to show that it it's it's just a mistake that to think that somebody male or female can't do a job role um, that they're good at and that they're passionate about. So it's it's just bringing in that culture of knowledge. And I felt like for me, I didn't have a role model that I related to. Uh, within engineering as a female like we saw it within like different scientists being female and but we didn't see it in engineering and that's why I just feel like bringing in more role models people that can relate to them see a four-year-old girl seeing a ballet dancing engineer it just makes it more relatable that yeah of course we can do it and we can do it wearing pink we can do it whatever way we want um, and just allow ourselves to be fully ourselves 
No, I really love that. Like being a role model where I guess you do ballet and engineering is it's, it's, it's quite funny because like ballet is seen as like extreme, you know, female and then engineering is seen as like extreme male. And it's like those fusions are very, it's, it's very cool that you do both of them. And I think as, a, as like a role model for, for young females, it's, it's a really cool position to be in. I wanted to ask, like, do you think, I guess, is that the biggest barrier, would you would you say, for, for women in, in engineering, but not just engineering, but in STEM in general, like having those role models? I do believe that the role models are a crucial point. And really, like, we look, whenever I was growing up, the people that were in the media that were, that were females would have been ballet dancers and pop stars while the males in the media were running businesses. And I just feel like if we actually can see it in the media more, then it really opens up this ability to relate to them. So the ability to see like female presidents and prime ministers and female run businesses and a full meal ballet uh, it just allows you to realize that you can do all these different options without thinking that it's limited by your gender at all. Yeah, no, I, I fully, fully agree. So Naomi, I want to like change the subject a bit and I really want to move on to, I guess you, we've talked about your background. We talk about women in STEM and, and all of that stuff. You, you found yourself as being, you know, a women engineer and you found yourself having a passion towards using that skill that you've, that you've have to solve a problem within ballet right so how did that whole like process start yeah uh, accidentally was <laughs> the truth so i for my final year dissertation i could put forward my own idea and i said there has to be a better way to recover from injury because i felt it was a very long and slow process for me so i put forward just to research to see if there's a way and what would that product look like and how could you do it and who would who would want it so I started doing that as my dissertation and the more I developed my dissertation the more I realized that there isn't a solution uh there needs to be a solution and we we need it now so whenever I was doing it that was in September 19 that I put it forward and by March 2020, I decided, okay, let's apply for different competitions and see how it gels well and how people find it as a business. And the feedback I got was always really positive. Obviously, for every business that somebody starts, there's going to be some negativity or some advice, which is always just going to be a steering mechanism um, or a time to prove somebody wrong and I yeah so then I, I continued to push forward with it and realized that it was really gaining traction and I finished up and graduated in July and then I was fortunate enough to be able to secure government funding to allow me to have a salary for 12 months so declined the grad job and went forward for this as a business and it was in that time of my dissertation that I realized that there was such a crossover between the arts and engineering that hasn't been tapped into that really is necessary so one of the one of the few books textbooks that I actually found 
was physics and the art of dance. And it was a physicist that then began to understand how does a ballet dancer spin? How do they manage the gravity, the gravitational pull? How do they manage where their center of gravity is? There are so many aspects of physics within it. And I just think that's an area that more understanding of how our body works in that sense has a massive potential within every industry. So I started having in then and then I started doing more research and realized that the injury rate of a ballet dancer and American football player is actually the exact same. So again, I realized there's more areas that we aren't tapping into that why is it the same? What are we doing? Uh, what we see in a ballet versus American football is very different. And I just kept pushing forward and uh, realizing that a ballet dancer can jump considerably higher than a rugby player, even, even when the rugby player is meant to be able to jump quite high. And if we could understand fundamentally how a dancer could do it, then we could transition this into other sports and push our bodies beyond what we think are physical limits to actually optimize our performance in sport. So it just kind of, it gave me so many different areas that this was even just alongside developing my product that I realized that just that whole space um, wasn't tapped into yet. I love hearing that. And I love hearing, I guess, like crossovers within different sports, because I feel like, I feel like within the past like few years, not a few years, maybe like the last 20 to tw uh, 10 to 20 years, there's been a lot of sort of progress in sports science and, and they, they've treated, you know, sport as well, it, it's not what it used to be where a lot of athletes didn't take their health as seriously, didn't take, it wasn't as much of a science as it, as it is now. And I think what the point I'm trying to make here is that there's so many crossovers within sport now where, you know, a football player will get training from an NBA trainer to be able to jump higher or they'll they'll get training from like a yoga trainer to be able to be more flexible to not be as injured in the future. Like a lot of football players that have done a lot of yoga don't get injured as much. So what I really love about what you've just said is that although ballet might not be seen as, I guess, the most popular of sports, well, it still is like probably one of the most popular, but even still, like there's so much, you know, you, there's so much application for what you're doing because it like it, it can cross over to every other sport. That is the point I'm making. It absolutely can. And the, the amount of ability that going across sports help, can actually help your body is phenomenal. And even speaking to, I've spoke to a couple of physios and coaches within Major League Baseball. And what we're seeing now is that the children actually specialize too early and they're becoming more susceptible to injury because if you're a, a pitcher in baseball, then you're constantly throwing with one arm and you're actually causing damage to your ligament in your elbow. And if you're doing this constantly, there's only so many times your body can do that without being susceptible to weight training. And that's a different aspect. And the same applies to dance that if a male has to lift a ballet dancer, they need to do weight training in their upper arms. And with rugby, how do you lift a very heavy muscular man above your head? 
So there's so many transitions. It's, it's the same thing. Like if you think about it, it's the it's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's the exact same mechanism, but it's like one scene is, I guess, like oh, I guess it's like one is seen as like more masculine because it's like just loads of like big rugby players, and the other is seen as like, but it's the same movement. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's I think it's just really it's understanding that whenever we put ourselves in these boxes to say. I am an engineer and I am like marketing, I am physio. Whenever we start to break ourselves up, we don't actually realize that if we combined our knowledge, we are opening ourselves up to so much potential and knowledge that we didn't realize we had. Naomi and I talked a lot about not having to put yourself in a box, not labeling yourself as something when, you know, picking up skills in different areas is so valuable and being able to kind of cross-pollinate it in a way, like different skill sets with each other can be, you know, can find real value with, with those different skill sets. And so I really want to talk to Naomi about over-specialization and whether she sees it as a good thing or a bad thing or, you know, what, what her views on, are on it. And so, yeah, we talk about that now. Yeah. Absolutely. And I even seen it when I was teaching ballet that the 15 year old doing exams would say, oh, well, I have to put my academics first when, yeah, of course, that was a consideration with me. And I had been told, oh, well, if you actually didn't dance as much, you would be able to spend more time revising. But if I didn't dance as much and I gave up my dance, I wouldn't be in the position of owning my own business right now. So I just think you really don't know how much benefit it is to keep a diverse mindset, diverse friendship group, diverse network, and just using all parts of your brain. So your academic side, your creative side, I just think allows you to be more open to opportunity. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I think being open-minded and being sort of considering everything and and also learning new things and applying those skills to new disciplines not shutting yourself in a box too early I think is really is really crucial and I think anyone like listening because like our audience uh are like very young people right so like I really love that message because I feel like that could really help a lot of young people listening right now yeah I think it's I think it's nice because with entrepreneurs that I've met they're very open to anything um open to any suggestion so I think it's not even saying that it's it's just an entrepreneurial mindset it's a mindset that we have to allow everyone to realize that if they want to change career they can and just if they want to do ballet and be a rugby player they can do it and they'll probably do really well um so it's it's taking the opportunities and not worrying about judgment uh, within that because yeah when I was in when I was doing my dissertation if somebody saw that I was analyzing I had 3D models and analyzing the stress of a human body within a ballet dancer and them doing a plie and people thought well why are you doing this in engineering what relevance does this have to my diagram that I've done and really it was amazing to see that it actually became my project did really well and I was really glad to see that it was still accepted and the amount of engineering that could be seen within understanding a ballet plie uh, was endless 
So talking about move true and talking about, I guess we've talked about cross crossovers in different sports and disciplines when it comes to this this problem that you're that you're solving with the, with this technology. So I really wanted to, to like hone down deeper, and I suppose like what do you see with the future of it? Because researching the applicability the applicability for for ballet, but of course with this crossover, you could literally go into any discipline or any sport, right? So I guess where do you kind of see the business moving in in that sense? Honestly, I can see I can't see it being restricted in sport at all because when you look at the crossover injuries they happen in all sports and so your injuries aren't limited to which sport you do they might be more prevalent in certain ones but I can see move through across sports but I also want it to become something that is you're able to get if you want to do this at home so that's a major passion of mine that at some stage we can be able to develop it so much that it becomes a household product and that we are able to like take control of our physiotherapy sessions and understand it at home and it's something that I'm really passionate about because my injury could have been prevented in the first place and let alone prevented if I then invested after my injury I could have actually had a rehabilitation time a whole lot shorter and allowing my body to recover at a faster speed at such a young age would have been fundamental. So I just see it becoming a really common product across different sports and even going into rehabilitation for for elderly or anything. So that is that's the dream that it becomes across any type of need for injury. So when it when it when it comes to that, would it be like focusing on reducing injury, or would it be focusing on reducing the rehabilitation time, or like a like a mixture of both? Because there's so much applicability, mm-hmm. like for different areas as well as different sports, right? Absolutely. So it's going into it is going into both, and primarily if focusing right now because we're doing so much proof of concept and working towards our minimum viable product that we're really focusing just on time constraints that we're focusing on getting that rehabilitation but really I wanted to go in to reduce that rehabilitation time optimize performance prevent the injury in the first place like how amazing would that be to not actually get injured (laughs) so I think it's just there's so many areas that are focused right now in development is the rehabilitation and I'm really excited to kind of do a whole cross-functional uh, opportunity within sports. Yeah, yeah, no, like it's a huge market as well because like sports stars and people in general, like not just athletes, are getting injured so frequently. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I don't feel like it's being targeted at the actual source. There's a lot of there's a lot of sort of remedies for post-injury. But in terms of preventative information or data or tools, I, like there aren't that many out there. Like, I haven't seen that that much like progress being made on that front. No, and what's also quite shocking is that a teenage girl is eight times more likely to have an anterior crescent ligament, so an ACL tear, than a boy. And I just think, come on, like we've we've done so many amazing things eight times. Hang on, why why is why is that? That's that's like a crazy difference. Yeah, so there's lots of different 
theories as to why and because the young a, a teenage girl's body has changed so much at that time um fundamentally there's a couple of different reasons as to why people believe it um average girls have wider hips than boys uh boys are playing different sports than girls uh so there's so there's human nature comes into it for one and also how we actually act as humans comes into it as another but i think it's it's really a focus that if we could be able to analyze that more it would massively change things uh, because girls in netball and volleyball are really suffering from this we've seen a decline by doing prehab so by doing strength and conditioning exercises with the teenage girls to help build it up and again that's slightly a cultural thing to get boys to do weightlifting and girls not as much I think it's definitely changing and the look into sport is changing that um, being skinny isn't like there's nothing wrong with it but it's not the body shape that everybody can have so let's train let's be strong um it's it's no longer that we as as a female you have to diet and be really thin uh you can actually weight lift and be strong and feel comfortable in that so i think it's definitely a cultural change that's happening now as well which i think is a major advantage <laughs> here's here's something that i want to really talk to you about i guess for the last like few minutes yeah. it won't it won't sound related but i will i will bring i will bring it back i promise because we talked about how girls have eight times more chance of getting this injury yeah. And it really made me think that it's a bit, it might be a big challenge for you within this space of analyzing how people's bodies move because mm -hmm. there must be, you know, fundamental differences with how like a female's bodies move uh, compared to like how male bodies move. And it reminded me of this thing that I read of, so drugs and all the data that they've uh, gathered from like pharmaceuticals. They were, they were all tested, right? And then, so they're tested first and they're put on the market. However, a lot of these, a lot of these drugs that were tested, so like paracetamol and stuff like that, they're all tested on males. And the, the reason behind this is, I guess, one, because like, I don't know, back in the day, like they, they'd rather pick males over females, but also because females were seen as having like a much more unpredictive uh, hormone like profile compared to compa compared to men. Mm -hmm. Now, this has been like, okay, up until the point where a lot of drugs actually don't work for females, yeah. which is really weird to think like there's this heart medication that actually has like crazy side effects on a lot of females and it doesn't work for, for a lot of females. Yeah. So they prescribe it for heart attacks and it just doesn't work. It's crazy interesting this. I won't like dwell on it too much because uh, it's not really relevant. But but what I really wanted to talk to you about is, I guess, is that a challenge for you that you see coming up where if you do want to analyze, you know, how, you know, men's bodies are moving or how female bodies are moving, do you see it as like a challenge? Because fundamentally they, they might move differently. Yeah, I, I see it as an exciting challenge to actually solve the problems. So even within sport, we've seen that Olympic swimmers have had to say, oh, well, I didn't perform well today because it was a certain time of the month. And really, it's something that's there's a big taboo on talking about that. But women's body is going through a lot within like a four week period that I think we need to really understand how does that affect women's joints? Why are we more susceptible to injury at certain times? And I think there's a lot of space to understand, develop 
and home in on what the difference is in the anatomy and like how does that change like as we get older we see it on menopausal women with their decrease in uh, bone density dramatically after menopause and there's just so many different areas I think hasn't been researched yet enough fully and I think it's quite exciting that MoveTrue also offers a solution to help that research and to understand it and the more data that's there the better understanding of what we can do to prevent issues and actually cater to everybody's needs uh, because I think I think a big thing is we are looking into maybe smaller target groups and the the more the more diverse we look uh, in terms of data or in terms of life the better yeah yeah i completely agree and i think a solution that, the, that these guys talked about was instead of i guess mixing you know 50 50 men and women and testing you know their solution on them that would actually like murk the data a bit yeah. because you're not getting a solution you're not getting a, a solution that's good for either men or women and it's kind of a weird thing because you think you're balancing everything out but you're actually messing up for both both groups so being able to i guess separate you know a, me a male group and a female group and doing a separate study on both i think that'd be really beneficial to to both parties when it comes to preventing injury or you know rehabilitation the more of a diverse group that we can bring in to understand to see this is maybe the trend in men but this trend in women could be the exact opposite for results the more we do that the more understanding we'll have and how to like just have a better quality of life because right now we're getting to a longer average lifespan but how do we actually make sure that when you're 80 you're still comfortably living that you're 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 not covered in aches and pains because of injuries when we're younger because our body wasn't actually ready um, for certain sports or certain jumps or uh, how far we're pushing each other ourselves and did we come back from injury too quickly is this medicine not right for me I think there's just so much that can be done with quality of life as well yeah no I fully agree with you I think that's such a a really a really great you know moment to end on Naomi it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast uh it's a conversation that I really wanted to, uh, to do and I'm really glad that I had you on because yeah it was a really good conversation yeah how can people stay in touch with you and I guess the the future of, of move true going going forward oh the future of move true that's so exciting um so for move true follow along on the twitter and also we have a website up as well and then for myself I uh just my name on instagram as well and that yeah I try to keep my Instagram as some an area to help inspire the, the generations of understanding what you can do and the fact that there's no limits and then for my Twitter my website that's all about the business so there's two different ways of whatever interests whatever it is more of an interest I'll be sure to put them in the description for anyone to to follow and, and all that stuff Naomi it's been such a such a pleasure to have you on again and um yeah I hope to see you soon thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me this was so much fun to chat about so many different things and I'm so glad I came on and I hopefully will be chatting to you and maybe again on soon
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Manly Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for staying to the very end. It means so, so much. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and as always, saying thank you, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode because, you know, I love the support. I really, really do appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram. That's where all the new episodes get announced and all the audio previews, all that good stuff. And yeah, I'll see you in the next episode. See you later.